0: on this episode of the haunted objects podcast
1: so this wasn't an exotic animal from another planet this is literally like an earth cow as far as i can tell he had a roast beef sandwich on the moon
0: (laughs) 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 from deep inside the mysterious archives of the new kirk museum of the paranormal it's the haunted objects podcast when you hear the word disclosure, yeah. what do you think about?
2: I think about people on Twitter complaining with the same shit they've been complaining <laughs> about for the past 40 years. I know. I know. People on Twitter literally just saying the same exact
3: things. Yeah. I think about the UFO bros who fucking hate Hellier. Yeah. <laughs> they just can't stand it.
2: Guys in their basements. <laughs>
3: Their mom's <laughs> bases. <laughs> what do you mean? Can you expand on that? I think of angry
2: UFO bros who talk shit on Twitter, but think the government's going to tell them that UFOs are real.
3: Yeah. A bit of cognitive dissonance there, I yeah. think. A lot of guys who are into like conspiracy theory. Sure. But then tr- implicitly trust that the government's going to reveal the truth about UFOs.
2: Yeah. Like people who really. I'm
3: sorry, UAPs.
2: Yeah. <laughs> people who, who actively believe other people who have been proven, like, dis- disinformation go, go, agents go, that are like, yeah. I love this guy. this guy! This guy's fucking
3: awesome. Yeah, a lot He's of lying that. to us constantly for 30 years. We I, should trust him I, now.
2: Yeah, I definitely feel that way.
3: I, I, when I hear disclosure, I think, um, I think right around the corner. Yeah. You know, like because a, I feel like for the last 60, 70 years... There's been a disclosure movement. A lot of people want to feel like that's a new thing. Mm-hmm. But for 60, 70 years, basically since UFOs first showed up, people have been saying, Oh, it's right around the corner. Any day now, they're gonna tell us the truth. A
2: lot of carrot dangling is yeah. what you're saying. Either
3: the government's gonna tell us what's going on for real. The Space Brothers are gonna come down and reveal themselves to us.
2: Or they're gonna explode out of our bodies and be like, we've been in here the whole time.
3: <laughs> is that us. how that's
2: gonna work? Yeah. Like like alien. They're gonna. <laughs> Can explode out of our chests. Maybe. And then be like, I watched you masturbate. <laughs> <laughs> what? I watched you take, that's what they're gonna do. I watched you take thirty-eight years of poops from inside the shell.
3: That's how oh, is that it? We're <laughs> yeah. just we're just like a larval face. Yeah. That's well, probably
2: that's probably definitely gonna be what happens.
3: Maybe that's why the government hasn't told us yet.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> they're like, oh, Well, we do these people figure out what's really gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. We've never had a president who's really done anything in terms of like, I'm going to tell you the truth about what's going on at Area 51. I'm going to tell you the truth about UFOs. They they tease it all the time. Mm -hmm. Trump has teased it like he was supposed to be the guy who was going to do it. Right. Yeah. That's one of his big deals. Nobody's ever told us. No. And, And there's probably good reasons for that. Maybe we'll talk about that today. So there really hasn't been a great disclosure candidate. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what a lot of the UFO bros have been waiting for.
2: They missed their opportunity.
3: There was a really great disclosure candidate. Probably the first disclosure candidate. Yeah. A guy who literally ran on a platform of telling us the truth about UFOs, working with the Space Brothers, and trying to usher us into a, a new utopian society. Yeah. Today we're talking about Gabe Green, the first. Disclosure Candidate.
0: With the latest revelations of the U.S. military's encounters with unidentified aerial phenomena, UFO disclosure seems closer than ever. Except, of course, for one brief moment in 1960. After a lifelong fascination with flying saucers, mild-mannered photographer Gabriel Green took disclosure into his own hands by becoming the first presidential candidate to run on a platform of ending UFO secrecy. He should have been a shoe-in. After all, his campaign managers were uniquely qualified for the position. They hailed from the Alpha Centauri star system. This small campaign button is a rare relic from the time Americans cast their votes for the truth about UFOs and Nearly received it from the aliens themselves.
3: Yeah, this guy—I will say—he seems like a super, super nice, decent dude. Yeah. Um, everything about him that I've seen, he's very, very into UFOs. He's yeah. very, very into um peace and utopia. Yeah, he's very he's pretty well, progressive.
2: Yeah, very well spoken, well dressed. Yeah, just like a
3: cool dude. Um, before we hopefully. Here's the thing, <laughs> you never know <laughs> when you when you're talking about anybody yeah. who's like from like the 50s. Yeah, you just never know. You never know there might be some stuff in there. <laughs> so, we, um,
2: do we need another allegedly counter? Wait, here? Maybe he's we do. Allegedly, did. a cool dude.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you never know. There's a lot of ideas that that were around back then that really didn't age all that well. Yeah. But when we start talking about this guy, we start talking about his platform. You'll see he's very progressive, particularly for the time period. Sure, absolutely. Gabriel Green was i think his his job was he was a, a school photographer yeah. for like the la city uh, school district
2: yeah he was like the guy who basically took every kid's photo yeah in la yeah which sounds awful
3: guess what he was a weirdo yeah <laughs> one of the good kind i think one <laughs> the of the good kind allegedly <laughs> allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> uh he claimed that he had seen uh, over 75 ufos mm-hmm. Uh, and at one point even claimed regular contact with humanoid space people yeah. from the Alpha Centauri system.
2: Yes. A.K.A., the, as he described them, like babelicious
3: people. Yeah, that's the thing. Real the aliens, hot people. The aliens that look like humans are always, like, smoking hot. Yeah. Right? They're babes. Unless they're the men in black, because they look a little weird. Yeah. Uh, no, they're always super smoking hot. Yeah. According are,
2: to Gabe, that's the definition of a, a alien. According
3: person. to most people who've met, like, humanoid yeah. Entities. They're
2: just real. They're like elves. They're like really, (laughs) really attractive humans.
3: Gabe Green founded the AFSCA, which stands for the Amalgamated, which means combined,
2: Mm -hmm. Amalgamated
3: Flying Saucer Club of America. AFSCA. And AFSCA was a big deal back in the day. Yeah. AFSCA, uh, I actually have a bunch of his like different material here from AFSCA. He ran like big conventions in the California area. Did a lot of stuff out at Giant Rock, which, which is a is big UFO mecca. Super cool. Super awesome. He had a kick ass uh, like mobile base that yeah. was in an old Volkswagen bus. It was like the first Scooby Doo van. For sure, it was because like, this would have been in the fifties. Did
2: it have like aliens and UFOs on the side of it? Well, it had
3: the AFSCA logo on the side, that's cool. And it was like his mobile command center. It Was Where super it? cool. It was oh, Connor's gonna Connor. find Do have a it picture here. Picture of it. Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: that's so cool. <laughs> the, Even the font is awesome.
3: <laughs> it says the AFSCA mobile unit traveled to the Bay Area during the Labor Day weekend for the purpose of being at the second annual spacecraft convention in Pleasanton, California. Very cool. Oh, that's super cool. Among those aboard were Gabriel Green, president of AFSCA, Miss Helen Siebert, vice president of AFSCA. I think that's who he ended up marrying, right? Yeah. 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 So he met his wife through his UFO club. Cute. I can relate to that. I met my wife through a ghost hunting club.
2: Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Long before Gabe ever ran for president, he was a publisher Mm -hmm. who was very invested in the UFO mystery. Yes. Like, I have here... Uh, numerous copies of the different periodicals that he would send out. He uh, was
2: a cranking content out.
3: He was attending UFO conferences yeah. and writing about them. Like here's a, uh, he's got a crazy story in this one that we'll talk about in a little bit, but like this one here, 21st year of flying saucers. This is flying saucers international. Uh, and this is from his flying saucer publishing company. Here's another one here. Uh, the AFSCA world report. This one's got the Reinhold Schmidt story in it. Uh, This is from 1960. Here's another one from 1959. This is one of the... uh, This is the Thy Kingdom Come Souvenir program.
2: One of the things that, like, rarely ever gets talked about, also, with a lot of this stuff from the era, is how amazing this aesthetic is. Like, this... Everything from the font to even, like, picture choices, everybody looks so great, and, like... There's just, it almost feels like it's a lost art form for, like, creating stuff that had, like, a big vibe from this era. Yeah. It was the font, it was the color choices, everything just looked so great, and it's kind of lost today.
3: And these are great. There's all kinds of awesome stuff, like this one right here. Actually, this is funny. This one came out at the same time he was running for president.
2: That's so funny. So this one has (laughs) his,
3: like, whole campaign. Yeah, the space people's choice. Yep. He was the space people's choice. Fascinating thing about this one is in the back. Tape-recorded messages from space people, available from AFSCA. Oh, my God. We need to get those. You can get a reel-to-reel of uh, To Men of Earth by Voltra. Monka and Merku speak. Greg is going to be on eBay
2: later trying to find those. <laughs> you got to pop them the reel-to-reel player. <laughs>
3: There's a bunch of stuff from uh, Monka and Merku, Hatan, Sutko, Balerion. Those crazy stuff. But this guy was into it. Yeah. He... he he was reaching people all around the world. Yeah. Um, one of these actually even has the stamp on the back still from where he was. I think it's uh, that one. Yeah, this one was uh, to some guy in Pasadena. Bring this program to the AFSCA convention. Join AFSCA now. One of the things that, that Gabe did is he would hold these uh, massive flying saucer conferences. And I'm looking at it right now in the program here. Mm-hmm. And they were just, it's like a greatest hits. It's like a who's who of UFOs. Uh, even some of the weirder dudes, like George Van Tassel was there. Uh, he was the guy from the Integratron. Even Bob Short, Reverend Robert E. Short mm-hmm. of Los Angeles. Bob Short, Corton. Corton. He channeled Corton, if you're not familiar.
2: Mission control.
3: <laughs> One of the coolest like, old school UFO channelers ever. He channeled Corton from planet Coldus.
2: Yeah, he was awesome. I loved his his uh, trance voice. It was always like, mission control. <laughs> you kind of get into that a
3: little bit I when you're doing the Estes I don't think method. that I do at all. My favorite <laughs> thing that he ever did, though, is he has, uh, so as we said, he ran the Amalgamated Flying Saucer Clubs of America, but he has this entire letter that he would send to people that would help you talk to people about UFOs. <laughs> I love this. Um, so
2: this is like a, a guide to bothering people on, on the bus. The bus. <laughs> All right. It's literally Ta- that. A guide to bothering people at the doctor's office.
3: So what you would do is you would write in to uh, AFSCA mm-hmm. and you would purchase a little package of authentic UFO photos. Okay. And then you would keep these on you. This is a full instruction here. Number one, carry these photos with you everywhere. Um, put them to work and for our cause. They can help you be an effective instrument of enlightenment to everyone you meet. Can I see? Yeah,
2: I love this so much.
3: So you would just take this with you, and then you would practice. It's great. And I think the instructions say something to the effect of like, come up, go up to somebody, and be like, "Have you ever have you seen that there are UFOs captured on camera?"
2: Yeah, like how to show saucer photographs to people.
3: Yeah, how to uh, freak
2: people out with pictures of UFOs.
3: And then you'd say, "Did you know that they're coming from other planets?"
2: invite people to attend local meetings. I would love to know how often any of this actually worked on people. We Caution, tr- do not pressure people to accept your statements. Do not argue with them or try to give too much information at one time. Slowly indoctrinate them into your belief system. That's exactly. To it. Join our cults. The strategy of the space people is not one of forcing people to accept the many startling <laughs> concepts. It's very cool, though. That it it is very exists. cool.
3: It's very neat. Um, Gabe was a, he was really, really into UFOs. Yeah, I can tell what the part that <laughs> I like about Gabe, because there's a lot of people these days, particularly who are very, very into UFOs. Yeah. But they're into like nuts and bolts stuff.
2: Yeah, I think this is very cool.
3: Gabe was not. That's Gabe was not a nuts and bolts guy.
2: It's hard to imagine, just because of the climate of the UFO community and ufology, just today. Yeah, to imagine someone running for office, (laughs) that. Doesn't really believe that UFOs are physically like nuts and right. bolts machines like right. that because I'm so we're so conditioned to think of so many people believing that they're they're UIPs, they're nuts and bolts they're but the idea of someone being like number one I don't really necessarily believe that but number two hey hi I want to be president.
3: It's not that he didn't believe that they were nuts and bolts Mm crafts. It's that he didn't care either way. Gotcha. He was interested in the people flying him around. Gotcha. He wanted to make good connections and have a good relationship with the space people. Got
2: it. So he was more interested in the pilots than the plane itself.
3: That's exactly it. Okay. And the people who had come into contact with the pilots because he thought that they had interesting things to say. Mm -hmm. And as far as he was concerned, the, the people from outer space, they had the answers. They knew what we needed in our society in order to catch up to be uh, properly welcomed into the international, you know, galactic brotherhood of man.
2: Because the space-fearing people are, like, peaceful and loving
3: and and all that kind of stuff. They'd figured out how to make sure that everybody had everything they needed. Gotcha. They were all together. Okay. So that was his deal. Uh, And it's funny because it's a lot like it it is today, where you've got the camp that doesn't believe in the quote-unquote woo-woo nonsense. Mm-hmm. They just want, like, crashed UFO parts, reverse-engineered UFOs. Sure. And uh, we want to see where they're coming from.
2: Yeah, and then you have the kind of the New Age community and the Starseed community that has really sort of uh, taken a-, a hold of a lot of these old ideas and, and made them their own.
1: Yeah, it's wonderfully illustrated in uh, direct uh, audio that we have uh, that we can put a link to where... There's a reporter who showed up at one of Gabe's conferences <laughs> and was walking around talking to all these people. And one of the people that he talks to is this guy from NICAP, which is an early precursor to MUFON. Yeah. And the NICAP guy was just <laughs> pissed off the whole time. <laughs> and all the interviewers' questions, you know, he's just like, Well, the thing is, is that we're interested in actual UFOs and all of these people are screwballs, I yeah. think, <laughs> is what he was saying. So he's like <laughs> They uh, And so he was sort of like infiltrating them in his mind. So, so clear. It's I mean, it's the same kind of thing. Um, if you had somebody who was a real hardcore nuts and bolts disclosure person who showed up at a lot of conferences that still happen to this day. Mm-hmm. Strange mirroring. It's funny. I feel like we,
3: we get a bit of that on Twitter. Yeah. You know, the, the 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 hardcore nuts and bolts guys who are upset at us because we're like trying to channel ultra-terrestrials through a broken radio.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
3: I think we'd get along real well with Gabe Green, is what I'm trying to say here. Sure. Not only was Gabe Green super into UFOs, clearly very committed. The dude had a whole, like, mobile command unit made. Uh, He was hosting conferences, and he was trying to gather information about people who'd met UFO occupants. He decided to take it one step further, and he decided, I'm going to be the disclosure presidential candidate i'm going to run for president dun, he dun, claims dun. that in 1960 he had two visitors show up at his front door yeah literally knock on his door physically introduce themselves as men from outer space and say you need to run for president yeah he, they said what they, they even gave him his campaign slogan abe in
2: 1860 Gabe in 1960.
3: That is the slogan that he ran with. It is on his campaign button. Yeah. What we're talking about today. I have it right here in my hand. It's a nice picture of Gabe Green. Abe in 1860. Gabe in 1960. It's actually a pretty great slogan. It's great. Yeah. And it was given to him by space aliens. Thanks, space people. These were men from Alpha Centauri. Yes. But a lot of new material claims that they were from Corander. Okay. Which is supposed to be an extraterrestrial planet somewhere out there. Okay. You were the one who actually found this, Connor.
1: Yeah, the thing is, is if you Connor, look... wait,
2: is this breaking news I right think now? it's breaking <laughs> news. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: think we've made a discovery. Um, <laughs> in the UFO blogosphere, if you actually look at uh, a ton of um, newspaper.com articles from that time period, which are mostly L.A. local newspapers covering... Hey, here's this guy who's all about UFOs, who's running for president. All of the intervie- interviews that you see from Gabe back then, he's saying that these people came from Alpha Centauri, mm-hmm. at least that star system. Yeah. And uh, the a lot of the, a few blogs that exist out there today, including even his Wikipedia page, say that they're from Corander. But that's not what Gabe was saying back then. Hmm. I think it got intertwined somewhere along the way with a story that we'll talk about later in the episode. Okay. So I think there's some intermingling of incorrect information there. That's how it happens. Mm -hmm. Well, these two
3: men from outer space, they knock on his front door. Yeah. They give him his campaign slogan. Yeah. And they say... You're the one. You need to run for president. You need to spread our message.
2: Are we also going to acknowledge that the space people are great at marketing? Yeah, right. No
3: <laughs> like, no kidding. Marketing genius. We should be listening to the space people more yeah, often, I think. Can you give
2: us some more cool slogans, space <laughs> Or maybe people. they
3: all just work in marketing. They're already yeah, here. It-
2: Whenever I do the Estes method and I'm talking to extraterrestrials, all I'm going is, there's worm people go burrow (laughs) through the wormholes. They're never giving me
3: anything like actually good. Let's have a a marketing Estes method session. Let's do (laughs) that. We'll get like marketing uh, from outer space. Be a worm going (laughs) to the wormhole. He ran uh, for president of the United States as a write in candidate in
1: 1960 Mm -hmm. uh, under the universal flying saucer party. I have some audio of him actually like on the campaign trail talking to a reporter and there's a couple good moments here so I, wanna, I want to play it. And your
4: name is? Gabriel Green. Green. When did uh, you decide to uh, take on this campaign aside from the other duties of your organization? Well I decided as a result of uh, a request from the space people that I do so. At first, I was very uh, reluctant because I uh, felt uh, very uh, humble with uh, being asked and, uh, to undertake such a responsibility. Uh, frankly, at, at first, I I, I really didn't uh, uh, feel that uh, I, I wanted to take up uh, upon my shoulders such a tremendous uh, <laughs> a project. But
1: There's this really great moment where the interviewer's like, wait, you're talking about actual people from outer space?
4: (laughs) Are you referring to actual personal contacts or psychic contacts? I'm referring to uh, personal contacts with people from other planets. Now, are these individuals uh, present in our civilization? Are they free-walking around, Uh, so to speak? Yes, there are many uh, of them walking our Earth as fantastic as that uh, will undoubtedly seem to uh, many of our people who have not uh, had the opportunity of uh, becoming aware of the overwhelming existence uh, of these uh, people uh, visiting our Earth at the present time, which our flying saucer movement has accumulated over a 13-year period of investigation.
1: One of the reasons that he got so much press is because he was from the same town that Richard Nixon was from. Oh right! And so a lot of people were like, "Hey, here's this is Nixon. He's he's getting all this, uh, gaining all this steam in the presidential race." And then there's this other guy who's also from Whittier, California. Uh, hey, local, he's into uh, space aliens. <laughs> some of the local newspapers covered it really well, um, in very funny ways. We're looking at uh, an uh, issue of the
3: Independent from the 28th of August, 1960. And there's a whole article about Gabe Green. And it's uh, titled with his campaign slogan.
2: He's even wearing his pin.
3: He's wearing his pin in the photo. It oh. says, the,
1: Gabe, good news from Alpha Centauri. Thank God. Thank God. For once. It, uh, for the audio listeners, my favorite, This this big highlight here. Several months ago, he recalls a visitor from Alpha Centauri 4.1 light years away. And Earth's nearest star knocked on the door and announced, We want you to run for president. Abe in 1860, Gabe in 1960. (laughs) The monitor reporter winced. (laughs) That's
3: the next (laughs) sentence. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, if you're curious about what kind (laughs) of a platform the Universal Flying Saucer Party had, you don't have to wonder anymore because. In issue number 16 of the AFSCA World Report, uh, July through August 1960, this whole issue is basically dedicated to his campaign. He's the first image in here, the space people's choice. (laughs) Gabriel Green, uh, independent, nonpartisan write-in candidate for president of the United States. And they have his full, like, 24-point platform listed in here. Uh, And it... I mean, it's everything from prior choice economics, which we'll get to. That's an interesting deal. Prior choice economics, flying saucers is his second point (laughs) (laughs) in his campaign. Makes
2: sense. Makes sense. Space. Yeah.
3: We advocate the United States stop shooting tin cans into space and concentrate on building true free energy powered man carrying spaceships to send the first people to the moon and then planet Mars. Government secrecy was another one. He wants to set up a board of competent newsmen to pass on what should be kept secret and what information should be released to the public. So he was really big on declassifying stuff. Again, the disclosure candidate. Mm-hmm. Uh, big on education. He wanted to convert us to the metric system, which frankly makes a lot of sense. F- silly. That. <laughs> You're from Canada. I'm just kidding. You're you're kid, <laughs> I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> Dana That's, still can't tell what I literally can't. How how Cold, what the temperature hot, is? I can't
3: tell it at all.
2: She I can't.
1: Has to still have it in. the I've metric.
2: tried, and I think I just don't. I'm never going to do it. It's not going to happen.
1: So he wrote up a, a full platform. A full platform. Yeah.
3: The the uh, I mean, he was even like he wanted to fully fund like Planned Parenthood. That was one of his big deals uh, at the end. Planned Parenthood. Although this one's a little. Yeah, Planned Parenthood and Population Control. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know about that one. Kind of scary. (laughs) Again, this guy was from the 60s. You never know what it was into. But I think his point with that was just like, we should have birth control. People should be able to plan how and when they want to have kids. Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) Uh, There's a quote here from Gabe that kind of sums up why he thinks that the Space Brothers have the perfect platform. Yeah. He says they're here to impart part of their scientific, technological, and sociological knowledge to help us resolve the problems of mankind before we destroy ourselves. The contactees say spacemen were attracted by our nuclear explosions and their concern mankind may destroy itself and part of the universe. They hope to enlighten us to successfully eliminate the motives for war, expansionism, and poverty several of the contactees have pointed out that the extraterrestrials use an advanced system of economics that has eliminated want and need on their planets. So his big things were, he had a very strong anti-nuclear position, Mm -hmm. which I think is really interesting because uh, even today, a lot of UFO sightings happen around nuclear facilities. Yeah. Very strange. Mm -hmm. And also a very interesting economic strategy that he claims is in use all over the galaxy called prior choice economics. We don't really understand Understand how this (laughs) works because there's no money involved.
2: Yeah. We're also not, uh, smart people when it comes to things like numbers.
3: (laughs) We we haven't, his actual, like a whole booklet here. You can find this booklet on Amazon. If you're really, really interested in prior choice economics, you can, you can purchase this. Uh, Gabriel Green's The Way to a Better Living for Everyone, Prior Choice Economics, annotated. Now, Connor, Connor, you went to school for economics, right? Yeah. So you could probably explain this a little bit better than we could.
1: Okay, so I'll do my best. The crazy thing about prior choice economics or universal economics, because it's used throughout the universe by the space people, is that it's all based on a credit system. It's not a typical credit card in the way that we think about credit cards. It's actually a credit card that sort of labels how much work you've done so far in your life. And if we're talking about how much work you've done so far in your life, it actually continues going up, not only the older you get, but the more hourly work and the pay per rate is actually acquired mostly through people who are each a part of a particular labor.
0: Are you in possession of a haunted object? An antique spiritualist tool? Wreckage from a crashed UFO? The Newkirk Museum of the Paranormal wants to add it to their archives. Whether your strange item is causing you paranormal problems, or is simply a supernaturally significant relic worthy of curation, we want to hear from you. For more information on our acquisition process, visit paramuseum.com.
1: That number, because you once you have a qualifier, thinking about it as like basically revving up throughout a sequence, like you're in a catalog and you're shopping for things. And that credit system enables people to have a non Money policy in the economy. Whether it would work or not, I'm not sure, but that's uh, that's the basics of how, how prior choice economics works. That was great. Thanks, Connor. Uh, did you guys fall asleep? No. No, 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 no. It was uh,
3: really, just really into it. Okay. That's great. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. I know exactly how. What was it called?
4: Prior, uh, choice. It prior choice economics. Uh,
3: right. I read a 50 page
1: pamphlet. <laughs> I. <sighs> I'm uh, going to vote for it. <laughs> if you're in the paranormal and you're not into prior choice economics, you might be fooling yourself. because Apparently that's what all the aliens use. That's, that's what they the say. The reason that
3: he was for this is because prior choice economics was an economic system that is used throughout the galaxy. It eliminates money. Mm. So that's the idea is that everything that you do is based on how hard you work. And then the more points that you gain, kind of like leveling up in a video game, right? So you're like building your experience points.
2: I tuned. I literally tuned out. (laughs) So I I just caught myself thinking about something.
1: (laughs) Listen, this is important. This is being used
3: in outer space. Okay.
1: If there's 150 people in the world, let's simplify it that way, and there's only 100 pens, the price of a pen Mm. would be the price of the... 50th person on the rank of credits i'll stop talking about it now <laughs> gabe would have been proud though <laughs> he would he did gabe it well would be Con- proud
2: gabe we'll- in 19 1960 connor in 2024
1: but <laughs> 20, yeah, 20, uh we'll put a link to the pamphlet that yeah gabe you can buy this pamphlet comments i don't know
2: why you'd want to but... connor bought this pamphlet <laughs> to I learn all it. about
1: it yeah um it's
3: it's Everything. It's, it's even tips in the back on how to talk about prior choice economics, yeah. which uh, clearly are working very well.
1: He wasn't the only one who was talking about prior choice economics either. Oh, that's right. This is a, this is a fun aside
3: that we absolutely have to talk about. There was another guy that uh, Gabriel Green started to get wrapped up with, and his name is Bob Renault. Bob Renault was in contact with another group of extraterrestrials. The Corendians. What can you tell us about Bob Renault and his conversations with the Corendians?
1: Well, I decided to dive really hard into the Bob Renault train over the last few days. Um, he has a lot of writings. We're talking <laughs> 400 page books and pamphlets and stuff like that. This guy makes other contactees that we've talked about. I mean, he's like, the J.R.R. Tolkien compared to like people who would just write a little pamphlet, you know? Yeah. There's the, there's whole lore. There's everything about so it. So why is it then it's, that
3: nobody knows who Bob Renault is? I don't know. Because they not... don't want to read a 400-page book <laughs>
2: about lore. All right. Fair. <laughs>
3: He's fascinating,
1: though. This guy's in, insane. Yeah. So Bob Renault was basically a kid. He was 18 years old in July of 1961. This is two months before Betty and Barney Hill were abducted. Yeah. Just to kind of put it in context, yeah. I realized that. He was working on an old ham radio in his house. He was a, a sort of an amateur radio dude. And he was actually trying to, he was in Massachusetts. He was trying to reach the BBC, which is something that you can kind of do if you're um, a radio aficionado. And he was sort of this tech whiz kid. And he's trying to reach long-distance signals across the pond. And so he was modifying his radio to try to be able to do that when he started to hear this really loud beeping noise. And this beep starts coming across, and he's confused about it. And so he tunes his radio just slightly off of what he believes this should be that BBC channel. And right underneath that, he starts to hear a light, airy, California accent, female voice. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And... The voice says, Bob, we'd like you to stay on this frequency for a little while. Oh, And man. then starts talking to him. <laughs> and she introduces herself as Lynn Airy from the planet Corander. Mm-hmm. And he uh, basically goes on to have... Enormously long conversations with these people.
2: <laughs> Enormously long boners about
1: their about their planet oh, no. and about what's going on. So, so they first instructed him how to modify his radio receiver to receive their transmissions even better. He followed those instructions, and basically, in the middle of the night, usually most of the contacts were around two, three in the morning. <laughs> he would be he would be talking with these folks. Um, he lived in his parents' basement. He was <gasps> Shocking. He was only eighteen. <laughs> Shocking.
3: So, my favorite part though is how he described these aliens. They were—they kept giving him instructions, like you said, on how mm-hmm.
1: to better receive these signals. Mm-hmm. They eventually gave him instructions for a television set. Correct. Correct. They gave him. Uh, they wanted. They said we could actually beam, not only our voices but visuals into your home as well. And so he had to build a special modified television set based off of their instructions. Mm-hmm. And at one point, he takes the television set and he turns it and and he's like, okay, I think I've got it. And he hears Lynn Aries' voice coming from the spaceship up above the Earth from Corander. Um, 400 she light says, years away. Okay, I'm going to turn the camera towards myself now. And she turns the camera toward herself and she is... A babe. <laughs> <laughs> of course, she is. Of course, she is. There's a um, book. There's a
3: book that Connor found online. Like the it's like big book someone put together of all Bob Bruno's stuff. And there's an image of Lynn Airy mm-hmm. in yeah. it, and it is exactly what like an 18 year old boy would yeah. hope that like a babe from Corindor would look like. Yeah, it it looks like they took an image of like. Pamela Anderson.
2: Yeah, it kind of looks like,
3: yeah. (laughs) Here it is. I want so bad to... <laughs> I'm going to turn it into oh a poster oh, and yeah. hang it here in the office. This is weird... Hey, hold
0: trying. on
2: a second. First of all...
3: <laughs> he doesn't...
2: Doesn't Bob Renault actually
3: give their measurements yeah, of the women them, on Corander? It, it physically... measurements,
2: Just physically <laughs> not of the body measurements where, like, you would tip in half because yeah. the top... It's like you know, Lara this,
3: Croft in a video game. The
2: weight of your jugs would bend your body completely in half. <laughs> my favorite part is, like, what the f*** <laughs> are those running shoes
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's right there. What does he say? Oh, it's an actual quote. Oh Lynn Airy, at this point, the camera swung directly on Lynn Airy. She was a breathtakingly beautiful blonde who appeared to be about 18 or 20 years old. She stood there quietly for a few moments, knowing no doubt that I wanted to drink in Ew, the details. Ew,
2: uh, fucking gross. Her
3: hair was shoulder length and softly wavy. Such a figure I've never seen Talk about stacked. <laughs> this is. Uh, this, to describe herself, oh. this is what she'd said. I am five feet, four inches tall, 122 pounds, 37, 22, 26. Three exclamation points. He repeats
2: it again.
3: <laughs> yes. 37, 22, 26. Then had come another shocker. I am the equivalent of 74 of your years of age, which in our society is the prime of life. So, wow. So that's his main alien concept.
2: <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. Uh-huh. And uh, For an 18-year-old boy. You
3: yeah. know what that is? Yeah. That's the ultimate. My girlfriend's from
1: Canada. You wouldn't know her. <laughs> yeah, it actually Oh, it gets is. better. It gets better. So that's that's his basics. So that's a little bit about who's talking to Bob Renault. Trust me, this all wraps right into the Gabe Green story in the end. But let me take you on a journey. I can't wait. So Bob, his books are very specific. He always specifies, they're basically a log. He'll specify the date, the time, sometimes what the weather was like, things like that, when the contact occurred. Wow. Most of it was in like the winter of like 1961, 62, all the way up until 1967. And it was usually in the middle of the night, usually one, two, three in the morning. <laughs> and he's... <laughs> <dead>. <laughs> usually his after, mom, his uh, pa- after his parents basement. are in bed. There's really, there's really yeah. three things in this book. Um, there's alien babes. There's cool explosions <laughs> and crazy stuff like that. And then there's really specific... Um, electronics and detailed info. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second, too. So, I mean, when you're reading this book, it's kind of exciting. I mean, we're talking about... What kind of exciting are we talking about? We're talking about telekinetic basketball. Whoa! <laughs> we're talking about the, the aliens from Corander, like showing up at his house, taking him to a field, and then getting letting him out of the spaceship and then showing him... Like how they can lift rocks with their mind and then blow them up with lasers. <laughs> <laughs> it we're, sounds f- awesome. We're talking about drag racing pods on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this is one of my favorite parts. When he was away from home on several occasions, a spaceman from Cornder <laughs> named Arta Doric took his place in his life.
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like a clone? Like a clone. He looked just like him. He got to meet him. He, he looked just like him. He got to meet him. And this guy uh, took his job at GE for weeks. <laughs> he worked at, at GE? Yeah, for weeks at a time. Did
2: this guy go and vote for Gabe Green?
1: <laughs> Maybe. Uh- and so he took his job uh, at for weeks at a time. He hung out with his dog. He said it was the craziest thing. My parents never noticed that it wasn't me. All right. Because I was on the moon with the people from Corander.
2: <laughs> Blowing shit up and driving around fast in little
1: <laughs> was, golf carts. At one point, there's one point in the book where he... he uh, has this ability to tune in and see what Artadoric is doing. Like, oh, in like a life. telepathic link? Yeah, and so he's sort of in one of the television sets on the Corander ship. So he's like, he tunes in at one point and he sees Artadoric looking at his playboy. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Shut up. Oh, this is oh my
1: God. great. Is this in a book? <laughs> it's in a book. Oh, oh my God. God. It's in a really long book. We'll put the links to it, but I'm honestly giving you guys the highlights oh, right God. now. I <laughs> but,
2: literally cannot God. deal with that. Connor was
1: up till like four in the morning last night reading Bob Renault's books. Yeah. He, at one point, gets to do a spacewalk. Um, <laughs> they take him, they let him, they put him in this whole suit, and he walks outside, and that's depicted... In one of Gabe Green's manuscripts. I think you have oh, it on your desk there. Oh, I think
3: I do. I think so I do.
1: you have a straight picture of what that spacewalk looked oh, like. Oh,
3: here it is. This then, It's on the cover. Yeah. This is uh, Flying Saucers International, the amalgamated Flying Saucer Clubs of America, June 1968. There you go. That's uh, that's what it looked like when he was doing his yeah. spacewalk, Bob Renault. So cool. Gabe Green was publishing all of his stories. Oh, here's the spacesuit. There you go. You, yeah. can see, you can see the spacesuit. You don't want to know what my favorite part about this is? This is the Bob Renault
1: story, part 33. <laughs> <laughs> this is part 33. There's uh, some, a lot of like tongue-in-cheek comments about how he was way before the Russians, and nobody oh, gives him yeah. credit. Oh, yeah. God. That's he was so funny. And uh, there's instructions on how to make air. Like there's, just the air the book, you breathe? Yeah, yeah. On Corinder, they give him some mechanical instructions on how to do that. Um, he has an alien girlfriend. Of course <laughs> she, with
2: giant jugs.
1: She uh Arta Lee, she works on the base on the moon. Um, god he drew a picture of her. Oh, I'll get the picture for her. <laughs> you got a picture oh my of her? Oh god. Oh, I ah. f-ing
3: love this guy. Do you think he told his friends about his moon girlfriend?
2: I don't know. I can't tell.
3: I feel like doesn't like every friend group have that one friend who's like such a habitual liar that everybody's like, Oh, your girlfriend on the moon? Yeah, it's cool, dude. That's I mean, super cool. I I'd love to I meet her someday. I don't
2: know if he would have had friends to be honest. With you. <laughs> His
3: friends were all from space. There she is. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like anime it looks like some kids' anime drawings.
1: Astralari. Is that her. Corander.
3: Yep. Renault's
2: girlfriend.
1: They went on <laughs> that. like moonlit rides together on the moon.
3: Wow.
1: There's uh <laughs> it's Lynn Airy
3: with her hair. She's a psychologist. The other people, oh, yeah, Lord.
1: the other people that he's talking to. <laughs> so oh my God. There's a lot of really good stuff in this book. Um <laughs> he has a map um of like what Corindor looks like. Whoa. Oh my um, God. Really detailed. This, this is, is all in a book that that was covered by a guy named by John W. Dean um, was also interested in his story as Gabe Green was, and he uh, sort of republished a lot of this material. Oh, these are great! So he's writing. That's what the <laughs> moon, oh, it's a moon pod. The moon pods, yeah.
0: Ground
3: scooter used on the moon, dude. It's completely every little piece is labeled. Yeah. Wow. That's a good tattoo, right? That is a great tattoo.
2: Light blue.
1: Oh, my God. Somebody needs to get that as a tattoo. The so, moon pod. So that is um, what we're talking about mostly with him. There is a detail that in John Dean's book, which, again, covered it, that was just fantastic. And basically what it is, is I he's John Dean's like, I didn't know if I believed his story. But there was a man named Howard Menker, who was also a contactee, mm-hmm. who talked about something interesting. He said, maybe he is telling the truth, because they both talked about the same thing, which is going to a very fine dining restaurant on the moon <laughs> and eating roast beef.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what the, f- how the Is that what's happening with cattle mutilation? Like, are we talking
3: about like normal roast, like, like cows? Moon beef? Yeah, yeah.
1: So this wasn't an exotic animal from another planet. This is literally like an Earth cow. As far as I can tell, he had a roast beef sandwich on the moon. <laughs> 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 I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what other details you need other I, than that.
2: Okay. <laughs> so I wonder, was it just that? Were there any sides or anything, or is that it?
1: Just that. Just this a s-
2: roast beef sandwich. That's first of all. What a
3: weird detail. That sounds yeah.
2: disgusting. Could you imagine being? I'm in <laughs> a fine dining restaurant and then slapping down a roast beef sandwich in front of you. <laughs>
1: Um, oh, Howard Menger. Yeah. yeah. He was so guy... Howard Menger also about, talked about eating a roast beef sandwich <laughs> on the moon. <laughs> the f- is that so we have, we have multiple contacts speaking of roast beef sandwiches on the moon. <laughs> um, and then <laughs> in the book, there's a lot of anti-nuclear stuff. There's some stuff that's a little bit sketchy. Again, some population control stuff, some... Like interracial marriage stuff. So no. he's not they're not always the best ideas that are channeled through these. Yeah. Fine. Well um, it's funny it's but, funny that typically the people who end up going to space to meet the space people yeah. always
3: end up kind of having a an interaction that uh, fits their own ideals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like sure, you know, there's there's other people who like I think Buck Nelson went to space and talked about how space was also segregated.
2: Yeah, you know what I like, mean. What, like Woody Derenberger talking about, like, injured Cold being Christian. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. These people,
3: like, always... It's funny how the space aliens always reflect their own political sure. and social Absolutely. ideas.
1: And I wonder what that could mean. <laughs> <laughs> What's a little bit strange about his stuff, there is some, some actually weird details about this. Okay. It's unclear at times he says that his contacts mainly came through the radio and through the television set that he modified mm-hmm. and we'll throw some pictures on screen of like mm-hmm. what that looked like. He had an incredibly like detailed setup. He had a, a, somebody visit him who was, um, his name was Bob. What was it? Bob Grisset.
3: Oh yeah. And he yeah, was yeah.
1: like a super, uh, he was an, also an electronics whiz and he knew a lot about ham radios and he, started to hear some of these stories, and he said, well, I want to look at his setup. And he said, no, his setup actually is um, being modified to maintain like really long-distance signals. And keep in mind, this is like an 18, 19-year-old kid. Mm -hmm. And he said that he watched him sit down at a typewriter and have a full-on conversation with him while his hands were typing single-spaced, super-detailed, channeled accounts directly from whatever was out there that's weird so in his book he never specifies yes i'm sitting down at a typewriter and typing this out and it's all just coming to me which kind of sounds like he's making it up Mm -hmm. yeah um but it almost sounds like automatic writing when Mm -hmm. it's looked at from another person's perspective like he's not
2: consciously (laughs) doing it he's consciously doing other things like
1: channeling something yeah Mm -hmm. it's just
2: coming through him
1: he said I sometimes when they he said these accounts are all directly from my experiences I- experiences with the Corindians I people will wonder how can I remember all of the details of these conversations they say that they sometimes beam them into me or have some sort of hypnotic re- like suggestions that they'll do in person mm. and he said when I'm ready the info just flows into my mind the Corindians told me I would be able to to remember everything when the time came to write them down. When I'm ready to write, the words just flow. And once something is written, suddenly my ability to recall long conversations verbatim is not any good at all. So it's all like sort of channeled stuff Mm -hmm. is what it ends up being. Um, But he's also giving incredibly detailed accounts saying that he, at one point, he is viewing, he's watching them do what he calls a psycho probe um, onto this guy who works in the Pentagon. And they're controlling this guy while he's walking around the Pentagon. Wait, <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah.
2: So they can zoom into people and like, then move them around? Remote like, control them?
1: Animals, yeah. Or- so they'll put a ship up above and then they'll like drill a hole into the ceiling and then throw this thing into somebody's mind. And then they'll be Why able to control to- them for a moment so that they get a view of of their psyche.
2: Is it like a physical and then object? walk around.
1: Apparently.
2: Oh, so it's, a f- it's not like they're not doing it psychically. They have to have a physical object it's that like they a put drone. on you.
1: And he says that what will happen is that in order to find good contactees, they're doing this to people all the time. And then if they're good candidates, they become a contactee. I,
2: this is, this is, I actually hate everything about that. This yeah. is
1: before a lot of
3: people started really getting into like alien implants
2: yeah that's true.
3: Mm-hmm. Cause alien implants were like a 90s thing that started coming up. Yeah. So what if uh, this is these are some of the first alien implants?
2: I mean the other thing too that's that we haven't really talked about is like we're very the world that we live in today when we're talking about UFOs, we always imagine like the grays or like right you know what I mean right, right, like right. like beings that don't necessarily look like us. these were just people. Oh yeah, these are just like people looking motherfucking aliens flying around. In I mean, spaces. this is
3: this is like prime time Stranger at the Pentagon shit, where yeah. like Valiant Thor yeah. and Injured yeah. Cold. They look like normal like, people, just
2: a t- more attractive or like maybe more exotic
3: looking. Right, people. the Space Brothers they look just like us.
2: Yeah, which is, I mean, it's funny that that just is, hot. Yeah, hotter. <laughs> that didn't seem. Did he think that was sinister that they were like controlling yeah. people? Oh, he, he was did. Okay. Of it. Okay, that's it. interesting. Mm.
1: Um, and thought people should not have the capability to do this. Yeah, they could drive people to do very bad things. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so at one point they hand him controls for a moment because oh, they God. say, "Well, we you don't have the same laws as we do. Um, <laughs> oh, oh God! And so we're under control for this. <laughs> Wait, they were like, <laughs> do you need he, to be yeah. Oh, so they no. gave him the the joystick to control this man in the Pentagon for a moment. Um, what did he do? If it, me, if it was me,
2: if it was me, you know if you've ever seen me play video games before. <laughs> I would just have some guy walking up against a wall he, trying to figure out how to actually use it. You would just be, be like, just, how do I jump? How do I jump? How do I turn this guy around? That, he'd be saying that because I'd have the uh, earphones on. How do,
3: the people, how do I jump? How do I jump? How do I, I turn jump? this guy around? How do I, how do I turn he, him around? No, he's just standing there. He's just standing there going, mom. <laughs> mom. Mom. Mom, bring me a sandwich. (laughs) Yeah. Mom. Yeah.
2: That's exactly what it would be. That's what would happen.
1: So that's kind of, but (laughs) I just want to just remind again this is clearly the work of like uh, a hormone ravaged, like teenage boy. Yeah. (laughs) Right. But at the same time, half of this book or more is really detailed technical stuff. Yeah. And, What is kind of weird is that as I'm reading this book, I read it on my Kindle. We'll throw a link in the description. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, what Kindle does is it shows you sometimes what other people are highlighting. Mm. All of the sections about like magnetic anti-gravity propulsions were all popularly highlighted weird and it would be like there would be dot like dots underneath it all and it'd be like five other people highlighted this section of the weird. book I'm Like who else is reading this that's strange so and and some of the some of the stuff keep in mind again this is a teenage boy i'll read like one of the sections this doesn't even make any sense to me but he's talking about really detailed stuff <laughs> one of the things the corinne showed me how to do is how to investigate the properties of subatomic energies under the influence of higher frequencies <laughs> of radiation oh, okay. there was resonance uh, that can be used to either generate or to negate gravitational flux dependent on phasing experimentation will show how to control angles of magnetism diamagnetic materials are being diagravitic as well there are several isotopes that will act as insulators to create a diver- differential of flux magnetic and gravitic and it's like what are you talking about, buddy?
2: But I mean, it's interesting because it's like in true high strangeness fashion, you have what is seemingly a hilarious story about a horny 18-year-old boy talking to babes in space. And then co-mixed with it is like, Actually interesting scientific information that you uh, potentially interesting scientific information. So it's like it's a perfect little high strange noise and
1: signal, man. Yeah. So some of this channeled stuff, truly, the book is is a roller coaster ride because you're reading about these technical manuals about how spaceships and magnetic propulsion work. Mm -hmm. And then on the next page. He's talking about um, watching alien babes play telekinetic basketball. <laughs> or he's so like, it's, just it's really weird. It's his, uh, his, his really
2: weird. His clone looking at Playboy magazines.
3: Oh,
1: my God.
2: <laughs> I would love to know what issue it was. Could you imagine if we could <laughs> we'll figure out what it. issue it was? Yeah.
1: I mean, at one point, he basically describes cell phones. What? It's like he says there are... They hold in their pockets uh, video communication transmitters. That's weird. Where they can speak with each other and select an individual to speak with.
2: Weird. Uh,
1: and and things like that. They'll relay messages to each other in that way. It's funny
2: too because so, like if you look at sci-fi, I always it, it's something that I I love. And like if you look at sci-fi from like the 80s imagining what the 2000s are going to look like you always get like a version kind of of what we have but like limited by what was popular in the 80s so like they'll be like you'll be able to talk to each other through the television. Yeah. And you're like, no, we're going to have tiny pocket phones that we can talk uh-huh. to each other on. But, like, obviously the visual component's there. That's weird because it's just a description of something that did not exist at all at that point in time. Mm-hmm. It's not like he's using things that are actively around him that you find often in sci-fi. Right. Where you're like, we would never just talk into giant TVs in our living rooms. We would have tiny little devices in our pockets. I mean, this so is that's kind of cool. It's even
1: before Star Trek, too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's very cool. So, it's wild. and And he... As far as I can tell, he spoke publicly one time, and that was at Buck Nelson's annual uh, no UFO conference. kidding! So he knew Buck Nelson too. Yeah, and apparently he was, um, and he was a young kid, and apparently he was ridiculed by some skeptics and stuff, and he Aww. didn't. He never attended another conference. Oh, um, that's
2: so sad.
1: But he did. Uh, Gabe Green was again like his number one fan. Wow! And he was cool. publishing all of his stuff. And then later on, and like later (laughs) on uh, in Gabe's life, uh, Gabe would write letters for questions to the Corindians, and Mm -hmm. then he would get back to them, and and things like that.
3: Uh, I I I need to add an aside here. Yeah, if you have never heard of Corindians before, oh yes, you probably have if you're a fan of Tim and Eric. If you're a fan of Tim and Eric, awesome show, or any of the stuff they do, there's a guy,
2: David David Liebehart. David
3: Liebehart. Shout out
2: David Lieberhart.
3: <laughs> Shout out David Lebahart. David Liebahart had a whole episode of his show called I Love David that was all about how he was abducted by extraterrestrials and then ended up also having a Corendian girlfriend mm-hmm. named Jezebel. Jezebel? Maybe Something Jezebel. Like that. She looked exactly like Betty Page. Yeah. Again, stacked. Uh huh. Looked exactly like Betty Page. Met her at the La Brea Tar Pits. And then they became uh, boyfriend and girlfriend. And I think they still speak to each other.
2: He also has song, a song.
3: He does have a song. And what is a, There's a Corendian uh, uh, that knows uh, uh, my name. <laughs> there's a whole song. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. But it's. it's a, I, I know Connor's giving me this look like we're not putting it in the show notes because you're <laughs> ruining it. But uh,
1: it's a song about Corendians.
2: And it's David Lieberhardt. <laughs> it's David We got Leighart. to. We got to.
1: <laughs> and so a lot of the Gabe Green stuff, because he published. This guy's whole saga, in one of his pamphlets and magazines, gets really tied into the Corindian stuff, and um, that's
3: probably why yeah. to this day oh, so sense. much material says that the people who knocked on Gabe Green's door were from Corindor mm-hmm. is because
1: later he got hooked up with uh, Bob Renault.
2: Renault, And it's a little
1: bit of a uh, like an incestuous business relationship as well, because they would there are parts of Bob Renault's writings that are like Lynn Airy, the Corindian, then began to speak to me about universal economics. There is someone on Earth who understands it well. His name is Gabe Green. Yeah. People no. should talk to him. You know, it's like that's so you funny. see a little bit of that kind mm-hmm. of working its way hey, into again. fan fiction. They're marketing
3: geniuses. Yeah, <laughs>
2: they're creating their own Marvel universe. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: they work Corandian universe. Corendian universe. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> All right, let's bring this back around to presidential campaigns. hmm Do you think that the presidents have ever known what UFOs actually are?
2: I think probably up until like a point and then i don't think any of them know anything about it at all
3: yeah and even obama here he was on the james corden show and he was he said what's true and i'm actually being serious here is that there's footage and records of objects in the skies that we don't know exactly what they are we can't explain how they move their trajectory they did not have an easily uh, uh, identifiable pattern so I think that people are still taking seriously, trying to investigate and figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. It sounds to me like they don't really know what's going on.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's what it is. And is. Wasn't there one, Connor? Wasn't there a president who um, basically like gave the secrets away and it got out because of uh, an actor's wife?
1: Yeah, supposedly oh. it was Nixon. Oh, that's what, yeah, okay. Supposedly he was, and this is a little bit of like weekly world news kind of stuff, but supposedly he was um, really good friends with Jackie Gleason, the actor, and Mm -hmm. Gleason was as a hobby really into UFOs, and after they went golfing one time, Nixon was like, I'll show you some UFOs, and he apparently took him to a base and showed him an alien body. (laughs) <laughs> and then gleason told his wife about it <laughs> yeah even though he was told to keep it secret told his wife about it and then his wife told the press and it just got out and then they got in trouble and then people say allegedly allegedly that that's when presidents stopped being shown stuff
2: yeah so basically he was showing off yeah and it ended up getting out
1: <laughs> there's one story that like Eisenhower was whisked away to meet with aliens at one point to say stop talking about nuclear weapons and stuff. Oh, right. Conspiracy theorists got really into this idea because he was whisked away from a vacation in the middle of the night once, Mm -hmm. and they thought that it sort of co-aligned with some interesting alien stuff. And uh, the official report is that he went and had like a chipped tooth and had to go have it taken care of in the middle Oh,
3: that's right. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know. I think I think they probably were uh, in the know if there was anything for them to know uh, up to a certain point. And then I think I don't think they don't they know anything anymore. I I mean, I I think I I think they
3: know just enough about it to know that it's much stranger than they think, because I think it's two things. I think that there are there is strange phenomena that's happening in the skies. Yeah. That we don't have an an easy answer for. Sure. I think that looking at that phenomena as a nuts and bolts problem, you're you're already too far gone. Okay. Uh, Because I think that it's something stranger. Gotcha. But then I also think that there's a very real danger that that stuff is like uh, foreign threats. And in yes. like we we're dealing right now with like weird drones from For every sure. other country. Yeah, um, they're they're everywhere. So I think that they know enough to know that there's not anything they can really tell the public without freaking them out, you know? Yeah, because it's either. But you think we the don't president
2: know, knows this?
3: Yeah, I think probably. I think the president okay. knows that like there's weird stuff. They, they even say it. There's weird stuff that we don't really know what it is. We're trying to figure it out. But I think there's other stuff that they can't say, which is like, oh, no, that's just in China and they're in their crazy drones that uh, are checking out our nuclear sites, stuff like that.
2: that, Yeah. Gotcha.
3: There is another side to this story that we should talk about. What? The idea that two human looking men showed up on Gabe Green's doorstep, knocked on the door. Yes. And said, hey, I think that you should run for president. Here's your pre-made campaign slogan. Here's prior choice economics, here's yeah. all of this stuff that we use, go run on that platform.
2: Yeah, a little sus.
3: A little sus. And this is why. We know for a fact that the United States government has infiltrated UFO groups Yeah, and then used those groups... As a cover for things that they're doing. Yeah. Purposefully fed them misinformation. Yeah. And, driven them crazy. Like, actually driven people crazy mm-hmm. uh, by making them think that they're getting classified documents about uh, UFO investigations, straight up to meeting aliens.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I don't, it doesn't seem too far fetched to me that maybe what happened to Gabe Green is that the government decided to throw this guy into the race to maybe make some liberal ideals sound really stupid. Yeah. You know, the same thing with Betty and Barney Hill. Yeah. Betty and Barney Hill are abducted by aliens. It was really Barney... You know, they were an interracial couple. Mm-hmm. They were involved in the NAACP during a time when uh, civil rights was huge. Yeah,
2: they were both very involved in the civil rights movement.
3: And then Barney has all the worst stuff happen to him. Yeah. And then he becomes, you know, a laughingstock.
2: Yeah. It's kind of suspicious.
3: Here's here's the thing about the government and trusting the government when it comes to UFOs. There have been really bad things that have happened.
2: Yeah, uh, lots of them.
3: One of them is what happened to Paul Benowitz. Yes, Paul Benowitz was a defense contractor. He was a real whiz with electronics. Seems to come up a lot. Uh-huh. A lot of people who know a lot about electronics and radios and stuff like that. This guy starts to think that he's seeing UFOs around this military base. Uh, he believes that he was intercepting electronic communications coming from uh, and about alien crafts. Yeah. And he was driven to near insanity because of all of this. Yeah. Turns out later, an uh, Air Force Office of Special Investigations agent named Rick Doty admitted that he worked on hoaxing documents and feeding false information in an active disinformation campaign to UFO researchers that included Mm Benowitz. In fact, there's a really famous, there's a super, super famous uh, clip of a UFO investigator named Bill Moore at a UFO conference in the 80s telling everyone that he had been tricked by the United States government. There were no meetings with with aliens and UFO occupants. He was actually being fed information by these government disinformation agents in order to send people off of the trail about secret government projects and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He was booed yeah, on stage. He was. Because these people wanted to believe it so bad. Uh, there's an entire book and documentary film about this case uh, called Mirage Men. I reference it quite a bit. If anyone is curious about trusting the government when it comes to UFO disclosure, Mm -hmm. read Mirage Men, watch the documentary. It will make you think twice about it.
2: Yeah, especially because some of those people are now popping back up in popular UFO media and television and documentaries.
3: Absolutely. And it's as if.
2: Some people have forgotten.
3: Oh, yeah. No, uh, Richard Doty's back. Yeah. He was in a big Showtime documentary about UFOs. I don't know how anyone's trusting this shit. Yeah, Like, it's all right there. We're doomed to repeat this over and over. And yeah. I see, like, today the UFO bros are falling for the same thing. They're, like, implicitly trusting what the government is telling them yeah. about UFOs. We're going to figure it out. We're going to solve it. What's very funny to me about all of this, and I feel the same way about it that I do... You know, the nagging voice in the back of my head whenever I read about Betty and Barney Hill's abduction, Gabe Green was a very patriotic guy. Yeah. This was a guy who clearly really loved his country and wanted to do what was best for his country. Yeah, he
2: wanted to make it a better place for everyone.
3: But he also loved UFOs to mm-hmm. the point where if people from the UFOs show up and they say, hey, run for president, he does it. Yeah. Richard Doty has a fucking <sighs> scary ass quote. In uh, the Mirage Men documentary.
2: I feel like it's a quote for anyone who has an interest in the paranormal or even just in UFOs, just in general. Mm -hmm. You should probably keep this quote on, uh, on lock and think about it quite often.
3: I'm paraphrasing here, but it's essentially people who fly American flags are easy to fool scary Ugh. it's very scary and that guy was an actual literal government disinformation agent yeah sent to infiltrate ufo groups and yeah. lead them astray
2: if you also can't pick up those vibes like watching him in interviews you gotta yeah. just work on that a little bit he's got bad vibes There's
1: something about like listening to authority in there as well mm-hmm. yes like trusting somebody who says they're from the government just without question yeah yeah and going along with whatever they're with whatever they're saying, which yeah. is what happened to Benowitz, and what happened to a couple of other researchers that Rick Doty talked to, mm. and yeah. he talks about in the book. I mean, yeah. he's sitting down, he talks to Linda Bolton Howe, right? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. And right. He sits down, he's exactly. like, and he goes through and sits her down in a room, gives her these files, says, "This is about the alien contact." Majestic Twelve. Some, yeah. Here's an interview, video of an interview with an alien. hmm And then he comes out later, and it's like, that was all. That was all fake. And yeah. then now nowadays he's back and he's talking about <laughs> more meetings with aliens and stuff. <laughs> it's crazy. And people are just putting him in shows mm-hmm. yeah. and and not questioning it. So so he could be, again, you could be a double conspiracy theorist and be like, well, he's lying about all of it. Yeah. It's like, right. I don't know. Maybe it right. doesn't even work for the government. But um, we do know that Benowitz was driven insane by his, his UFO stuff um, and had a, a unfortunate demise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is really, it really does open your mind a lot to to those possibilities, um, yeah, of questioning uh, some of those those black ops groups in there. It's it's the you know just like Betty and Barney.
3: Barney said that they they were wearing like hats and they were dressed like military guys. The the aliens were uh, Gabe Green. Mm-hmm. They look just like us. Yeah, They're just more attractive. Just more attractive.
1: <laughs> I don't know. So but, we don't we don't know if it goes way back then though. That's 'Cause thing. all the Benowitz stuff was in the 80s, right? Sure, but I mean, why not? Why not? Yeah.
3: It's it I mean if it's a, if it's an easy that. cover for the yeah. weird stuff that they're working on and you know they're scared of the Soviets and there's all kinds of strange stuff that was going and on. And
1: There's always like something that they want from them. So part mm-hmm. of the reason that they that that Dodi says that they fooled Benowitz is because they kind of wanted to see what he could intercept. Yes. Yeah, yeah, because he was he
2: was gifted and and yeah. like creating things and that yeah. were
1: working. They were actively working. They were actively working. Yeah, and he was good with technology. And he was um, working on. He basically had this whole apparatus set up in his house. They were beaming false messages. To him, mm-hmm. sometimes from a, another house across the street. Yes, um, that like the CIA and them like had, and they're beaming these messages to him in order to see what he intercepted and then disseminated into his UFO literature and, and talks and popular media. Yeah, makes me wonder. Mm-hmm. You know who else was really good with radios? Yeah, yeah, and crazy stuff like that. Yeah, uh, back Bruno. in the 1960s. <laughs> There's just some poor
3: woman hired by the cia to To play his girlfriend girlfriend. honeypot (laughs) they're just he's just talking to spies and they're like oh yeah no (laughs) my name's lynn airy i'm on the moon right now uh don't worry about it never trust the government don't trust the government
2: not with UFOs.
3: not with ufos at least well maybe not with anything Mm -hmm. why would has the cia ever done anything wrong <laughs> do you think the CIA would really really do weird shit to their own people? Yeah. Maybe
1: that is a president who does know the truth about UFOs is Bush Sr. Because he was the yeah, head of the CIA true. before Bingo. he was ever elected. Mm-hmm. So maybe yeah. that is a modern day one that might know more. That's yeah. true. I mean, we're guessing. It's all allegedly. 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 For sure.
3: allegedly. allegedly. One of the things that you normally see is uh, people eventually wake up to the idea, oh, I'm being screwed with. Yeah, And then they talk about it and they come out... Bill Moore did it at the at the UFO conference where he was like, listen, Majestic 12 isn't real. I've been being fed information, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. They usually come around to that. So that's not something that Gabe Green ever did.
2: Yeah. He kind of just stuck with it his whole life. He did.
3: Yeah, he still loved UFOs right up until he died. Yeah,
2: his wife passed in 1970, and he just kept going. He had we found his wet old website on the Wayback yeah. Machine. In fact, in the guest book, we even found a comment that Bob Renault had left uh, after oh, after Gabe died after Gabe died. Yeah, yeah. saying farewell from from everyone.
3: The Corendians are saying farewell, yeah. and yeah, it's it's actually really sweet. Uh huh. Um, oh yeah, Connor can pull it right up. Bob R on eight thirty, two thousand three, said To all who knew and loved Brother Gabriel, we wish to extend our heartfelt condolences for the loss of a dynamic personality. The world is poorer for his passing, but somewhere out there he's carrying on the work. Our twenty eight years of association with him through Brother Bob will not be forgotten. We will continue, as will he, Master Kalen Lee, Lynn Airy, Ori Val, Astra Lari, and the rest of the team salute him. Godspeed, Brother Gabriel Va E Lucy NO. Nol C unir.
2: Which we discovered is a is it like a greeting?
1: It's like go in love and light in Corindian. In Carindian. Yeah. It's like their goodbye.: There's a whole Corindian alphabet, and
3: in, uh, in one of the books, you can learn how to speak Corindian mm-hmm. if you want to. Mm-hmm.
1: mm mm-hmm. Hallo. It's hello, but with a K. Kalo. So a <laughs> <laughs> bit like pig latin maybe yeah <laughs> so i mean it's, it's cool
2: here's the interesting thing though just you know t- to play devil's advocate bob renault seems to in two thousand two thousand and three 2003 still be talking to Yep, uh Lynn airy and all mm-hmm. of the all of the squad so that's kind of interesting wow gabe green yeah
3: No matter who it was that told him to run for president. Yes. He believed in disclosure.
2: I think you can tell. Yeah.
3: He there's a quote from Gabe's book uh, where he writes, incidentally, I am always suspicious of people who refuse to divulge information for the good of the people. It is only a short step from there to deciding we're not capable of voting in an election. Censorship is not the Democratic way. So Gabe Green was the disclosure candidate, Mm -hmm. not just for UFOs, but for other things too. He wanted the American people to know what was going on in their government and probably would have released more information than we're we're typically used to getting. Whether or not he was actually contacted by spacemen, we'll really never know. I mean, we can come to our own conclusions about that, but who he thought he was talking to, if they ever appeared at all, maybe the spacemen were just a... uh, they were just a, a a way for him to get the message out and mm-hmm. get people to pay attention to his platform. Yeah. Maybe that was the case. And he, and he was again, he was pretty progressive for his time period. He wanted like racial integration and everything. He mm-hmm. wanted everyone to have civil rights, funding planned parenthood, population control. <laughs> don't don't know about that one. Um but uh, by all accounts, it seemed pretty reasonable outside of the outside of the UFO stuff for most people. How reasonable? Well, let's talk about how well he did in the campaign. He ran, again, independently. He was a write-in candidate. So you had to remember.
2: Yeah, you had to literally literally write his name down.
3: Yep. Uh, You had Universal Flying Saucer Party. This guy got 170,000 write-in votes, which is... A hundred and ten thousand more write-in votes than Kanye West got.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Go <Gold> game. Yeah. <laughs> that's great.
3: That's pretty impressive. It is. Yeah. It's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he obviously did not win. We're, we're not living in a, a space-faring utopia today.
2: Do you think it was 170,000 space people that are living here? <laughs> maybe that's it. He was the space people's choice. Then then he wasn't the space people's choice. Well,
3: maybe there weren't enough space people.
2: Or maybe, maybe they left.
3: Maybe they did. Uh, he ran again in 1962 for U.S. Senate as a Democrat from California on an anti-nuclear position. And he placed third mm-hmm. with 113,000 votes. He ran again in 1972 with the Universal Party. Uh, this one was it was really Nixon versus McGovern, and Nixon won it in a landslide.
2: Yeah, this is when the space people had left. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> He's well, only got 119
3: votes. Yes, yeah, <laughs> they were long gone by that point. Yeah, they're like, we can't help these people. They keep f***ing around with yeah. nuclear weapons. Like
2: it's a lost cause. <laughs> we're out of here. We're, we're bouncing.
3: Yeah, yeah. So he uh, was a really interesting and and strangely, almost a viable candidate. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the fact that he placed third for U.S. Senate in California, that's
1: bonkers. And taking it to another level that a lot of contactees didn't. So we've read a ton of contactee literature, and almost all of it from that time period is very anti-nuclear. It's yeah. very much like, you know, assuming if we put our skeptic hat on that these people are making it up, that's that's in their consciousness. is a yes. major concern. But he actually really tried really hard to do something about it. We have a quote here from Gabe um, that is kind of, it, it sums up why
3: he thinks the space people wanted him to run for president. He says, They are here to impart part of their advanced scientific, technological, and sociological knowledge to help us resolve the problems of mankind before we destroy ourselves. The contactees say spacemen were attracted by our nuclear explosions, and they're concerned that mankind may destroy itself and part of the universe. They hope to enlighten us to successfully eliminate the motives for war, expansionism, and poverty. Several of the contactees have pointed out that the extraterrestrials use an advanced system of economics that has eliminated want and need from their planets. So this guy, uh, he really bought it. He really believed it. And he was really trying to sell it to people.
0: This episode is brought to you by the Newkirk Museum of the Paranormal Membership Program. Become a museum member and take part in live paranormal investigations. Receive Dana's Magic of the Month subscription box. Access in-depth artifact case files. And gain access to hundreds of hours of exclusive content available only to members. To become a member, visit patreon.com paramuseum. Do
3: you think that we'll ever see a disclosure candidate like Gabe Green again? I think at this
2: point there's been enough damage to the conversation (laughs) about (laughs) UFOs that there's no one that would get, like it would not happen because people would be like, oh, he's crazy. I don't know.
3: I'm going to push back on that. You know why? Because we literally have QAnon nuts who are elected to Congress.
2: Yeah, but they're, but.
3: These are people who think that there are, uh, 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 elites who are drinking the blood of children in pizza restaurants uh in Washington DC and they're literally being hired.
2: I don't see it happening and it's I don't see a president uh having, you know, belief systems like that. I just don't yeah. think the average person would be really willing to. Yeah. I don't know. I think inevitably humor something like that
3: Inevitably, all presidential candidates are asked about UFOs at some point. Sure. And they all kind of have the same response, which is, I don't know, we it seems weird to think that we're alone in the universe. We should probably be paying attention to the weird stuff in the skies.
2: Yeah. But that's about it. But that's also like a safe answer. Yeah. Gabe was going space people are knocking on my door and talking to me. Yeah. Like the difference between someone saying weird things are in the sky. I don't know, man. Could be what I'm gonna Like that's one thing versus him going, an alien man knocked on my door and gave me uh, a bunch of literature, and, and uh, now my campaign is going to be about that. I think that that, <laughs> no way would that ever happen.
1: So all that said, what's your response to the typical age-old question that people ask believers like us all the time, right? Why, why aren't UFOs landing on the White House lawn? And talking to the president. Why, why aren't they speaking in front of the UN? Yeah. Instead, why they're showing it... up at a farmer's house in Missouri. Yeah. Why Why? Why are only these people hearing from them? I mean,
3: I think my personal opinion is I'm not a nuts and bolts UFO guy. Like, I didn't come into UFOs from any kind of a prior investment in them. I watched The X-Files as a kid, and I read, like, the Time Life books. Uh, I came at it from a, a paranormal investigator's perspective. So... I was into the idea of, like, poltergeists and things like that. And so when I started to get really interested in UFOs, I saw the crossover and the correlation between, like, people who think that uh, somebody dead is speaking through them and a contactee who's, like, channeling aliens from Corindor. I see the similarities there. Mm -hmm. There's a parapsychologist whose work I really admire uh, by the name of George P. Hansen, and he wrote a book called The Trickster and the Paranormal, and it's all about how like marginality and liminality play a part in paranormal phenomenon, the manifestation of it. So you see more often people who are on the fringes of society, uh, maybe people who, who live a liminal uh, lifestyle or are marginalized by society. They seem to have more interaction with the other than people who are really well adjusted. So presidents are pretty well adjusted mm-hmm. I mean for for all the conversation we can have about how they're out of touch or whatever they they have to be pretty well adjusted with the world today in order to be hired for the job so our elected yeah. officials are very yeah they're not marginalized
1: and surety has to fit in with the office yeah exactly Otherwise you're not going to get the job in the first place bingo bingo there's no room for being unsure Mm-hmm.
2: I think I agree with you in terms of I don't think that they're landing on anyone's lawn. Yeah. I don't think that's yeah. happening. Yeah. And I I know my opinion will change, but this is sort of where I'm at right now. And it's mostly just kind of in line with a lot of what Kiel thought. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that I think we are communicating with them and I think that they're around us, but I don't think that we're doing it in a in a physical way. Sure. And I don't think they're landing on people's lawns. And I think that if they if they had the capabilities of doing it, which I'm not saying that they don't, I just don't think that they've done it here.
3: So why, why would they tell someone to run for president? What do you think the deal like is? Like the
2: aliens? Yeah, why would
3: aliens go, hey, Gabe?
2: I think the idea is maybe preparing us for communication once we've adapted new ways of thinking. Maybe mm-hmm. ones that are a little bit more in line with the way that you know, everyone else in space is is thinking maybe we're not, you know, up to up up to snuff yet, and so maybe they're disseminating information to certain types of people to help us kind of get there. Yeah, that's a thought. I know it's a it's a relatively popular theory
3: in certain spaces, or it's the CIA trying to discredit a political. Movement. Or that, <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Take your pick. Take your pick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Connor? I think that there's a definite correlation between. The era of the contactee movement, the golden age of contactees, which is the late '40s up until the early '70s, that in that time period, things like Star Wars didn't exist. Yeah, and I think that a lot of that sort of uh, human need for gigantic myths and and story. And those archetypes and stuff that maybe people weren't finding, maybe they were seeking out in other more bizarre ways. Yeah. And so sometimes I think that a lot of the contactee literature is sort of like following that. Mm-hmm. Whether or not they believed that it was actually coming from an outside source or not, I'm not sure. Yeah. But at the same token, um, and I think we all do, like I, I also believe in aliens. Sure. And so I think that sometimes there is, at, at this moment right now, there is a, a great ether, a beyond, a something, this higher level of consciousness, whatever you want to call it, that sometimes occasionally through the super spectrum, mm-hmm. a little sprinkle will be dropped. Yeah. And then some people just take it really far mm-hmm. and make a whole cake out of it. Yeah. And so there are moments of real revelation that I really think is hidden in some of this stuff. Yeah. It's that noise and signal thing. And it's really fun to seek it out. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's fun and some of it's sketchy and weird and you can tell it's from the old-fashioned times, But but some of it is a real adventure ride mm-hmm. and you really wonder what these guys were thinking when yeah. they were writing about this, when they were speaking about it in front of everybody. And this is also a time period before we knew a lot about outer space. Yeah. And so it's a lot of like, yeah. hey... We don't know what the surface of the moon looks like, really. And we can so, have a roast beef sandwich up there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so a lot of those mysteries and stuff, it's a really fascinating look at that time period. And uh, and I love looking into it. And like I said, I think there are little nuggets of truth in there. Do you think we'll ever get disclosure? Uh, no. And I think that the government doesn't really actually know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think that there's enough of an organization there. I think so too. Um to work on that. Yeah. People um,
3: love to look at the government as like a a single like a monument, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not. It's incredibly messy. It's really disconnected. Typically one hand doesn't know what the other hand is doing. Sure. Which is why a lot of government conspiracies are insane
1: to me because the government is a mess. Yeah. It is a mess. I mean, to be fair, they have a lot more satellites and a lot more capabilities to see these things than the average guy. Sure. Mm-hmm. At their at their disposal. Yeah. But in terms of the organization of what's going on there, I don't think they really know. Yeah. Regardless of what you believe
3: about disclosure or whether or not these people are actually being contacted by intelligences from another place, Gabriel Green was really the first disclosure candidate. This was the first guy who ran on a platform of I'm going to tell you what's going on with UFOs. We're going to go to space and we're going to make friends with the entities who are out there. It's funny to look at this and see that we still kind of have two ways of looking at the UFO issue today. You still have the nuts and bolts people like they did back then. And then you still got people like Gabe Green, who wasn't really interested in that. He just, uh, he wanted to make friends with the space people. All of the ideas about what alien contact is and how the idea of UFOs can influence politics are really encapsulated in Gabe Green's political button, in his slogan. It's there. It was given to him by extraterrestrials. There's a lot of questions about what that is, and they're questions that we've been asking for 60 years at this point. That is what make Gabe Green's political campaign buttons
0: haunted objects. The Haunted Objects Podcast is hosted by Greg and Dana Newkirk, produced by Connor J. Randall, with photography directed by Carl Pfeiffer, and features exclusive artifacts from the Newkirk Museum of the Paranormal. To learn more about the artifacts featured in this episode, take part in live interactive experiments, and enjoy exclusive Haunted Objects content, become a museum member at patreon.com paramuseum This has been a Planet Weird production.
2: We're gonna get killed. Some of these guys. I got four hundred guns in my basement, bitch. I can kill you. Trump was gonna tell us about the aliens. They didn't let him. The
0: cabal wouldn't let him.
2: They have a lot of time in their mom's basement. I'm just antagonizing them (laughs) all. I'm going to get (laughs) you. What else is new? (laughs) Welcome
3: to Hellier. (laughs)